sportsgrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. Sportsgrid.com. Rise and shine, sports fans. It is another beautiful day in the neighborhood. Thursday, September 3rd. Let's cock-a-doodle-do it. This is the early line right here on SportsGrid. I'm Dane Martinez. Some people call me the spitting statistician, stable genius, and vocal minority. And by my side, as usual, is Kevin, the candle burner Walsh, burning the candle at both ends, helping you get what you need to make it a profitable day. And we put the fun and functional sports content at the same time. And Kev, we had a game seven yesterday in the West that I thought was very, very interesting, loaded with the additional context, right, of Chris Paul maybe trying to bump out the team that traded him away. But no, the Rockets get the job done 104-102. And I got to tell you the truth, Kev, we talk about James Harden all the time as the beard leading the league in scoring. He only has 17 points. He only shoots four of 15. He said it himself at the postgame interview that he played off offensively like poo but he made some big defensive plays kev including at the very very end closing out on arizona state buddy lou dort what'd you think about this game seven yeah wow i mean uh, another game seven and uh, another you know fun game tight game right yeah and it was funny but we were talking yesterday about how the spread had not really mattered uh, either the rockets <laughs> blew it out or the thunder won close uh, and right. the Thunder had a chance to win close. Boy, I don't know what they were doing. I, I mean, for Chris Paul to, first of all, after they, they come down, they had two timeouts, and they don't use either one. Um, they don't, you know, and, and you've got the scramble job and the, and the nonsense that that all was. And for that possession to even end up in a Lou Dort three-point attempt, I understand what he was doing all game. We'll talk about it, but, like, come on. Like, you cannot have season on the line with Lou Dort. When Mark Jackson shot. is like, the first time ever, we've got a Lou Dort shot chart to show you at halftime, yeah. right? You know that it's an outlier situation. You know, when they're forcing him, you know, to try to hit those shots, right? He's got to take them. But I don't know if you have to take them with 30 seconds left. I don't know. Like, Lou Dort taking that shot was the only option. There was next to no time left on the shot clock. The problem was... The play. And the thing is, they had multiple times to pull it out and call a timeout and realize, right. I, I, you know, I understand when coaches are like, let's not let them get set. But like they already were basically set and you kind and you just came down, and had an incredibly awful possession. And then you go down. Right. We've got the away from the play foul, which ultimately did it matter. No, because, you know, right. they could have still made a two to tie or three to win. But like mm -hmm. the fact that Gallo was the one who got the free throw instead of Chris Paul was very puzzling. Mm. And I think even one of the things for me, uh, that first inbound where they came in and Shea Gilges Alexander almost immediately called out, uh, called a timeout. I love SGA. He clearly was not going to be able to inbound that ball. Far too nervous. Right. And we saw that. It was, you know, the, the play didn't work. It was a panic. Also, though, I just thought Billy Donovan really did not handle the last 20 seconds of this game well. Steven Adams should have not been <laughs> on that court. I don't care. Like, oh, he's a great screen setter. You're not going to be able to set a good enough screen 
in that setting. And he was a liability out there. Yeah, that's interesting. As we welcome our radio audience back in from around the country, including out west with the mightier 1090. He did try to save it, throwing it into the backcourt towards the end. But we've been talking about that all series long, right? What Adams can do uh, defensively rebounding. He then gets becomes a liability on the offensive end with people going at him. So that is definitely interesting. We talked about this game a lot yesterday. I know you were talking about the total um, over under. It finishes Mm -hmm. at 206. I know you've been giving out the P.J. Tucker rebounds prop bet. I was talking to you about it during the game. That went over. And also, Kev, you know, I remember asking you on this show yesterday in the game seven, like, where else would it come from? And I remember telling you about about Eric Gordon or Robert Covington made threes. And boy, did both of those guys show up and show out from behind the arc. Yeah, I mean, without Robert Covington and Eric Gordon, the, the three-point performance that this team offered you was abysmal. And that's leaving in the three for four from Jeff Green. Uh, I mean, you know, P.J. Tucker, one of seven, and James Harden, one of nine. Uh, that's real yep. tough. But to get, you know, six of them, from uh, Bobby Cove and Eric Gordon knocked down five was massive. And and those are their two leading scorers, both of those guys with 21. Mm-hmm. Like, if I would have told you that Harden was going right. to 17, you take the Thunder every single time. But this game was a wild one. Lou Dort was the leading scorer. Yes, we got our P.J. Tucker rebound prop to come home uh, once again, which was lovely to see. Um, it was weird because I you, you had met, you know, text me in half. Can I get two more from yeah. P.J.? And then as the half started, they just tacked one on him. So, like, I don't know what happened there, but it was lovely. I do. I do, because I was monitoring it, right? In the last, like, minute, there was a random, like, three that was missed where I think, like, Jeff Green or Covington, someone else, like, did the old tap back out. And the mm. tap back then went to P.J. Tucker, who immediately passed it to, you know, call it like Gordon, who shot a three. And mm-hmm, I went mm-hmm. back and checked at the timeout, and they had not changed his rebounds from five to six. And I was like, all yeah. right. That's why I was like, oh, I need two more. But then when yeah. you said they gave him one, I knew that one was still out there. We don't have much time. We'll talk about the next series uh, coming up after the break. But OKC, only a 1% chance to make the playoffs as the experts thought, right? Got to give them some love, led by CP3. Yeah, and we can expand on this a little bit more, but those percentages yeah. very skewed by what was sure. going to be the assumed <laughs> moves for this team. Yeah, and Billy Donovan, coach of the year, also there, right, helping out. We'll talk about it more on the other side of the break. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Hey, welcome back, everybody, to the early line here on SportsGrid. Kev, we were talking about this Game 7. It is Houston that goes on. But for a minute or two, let's talk about Oklahoma City, as we have with every team whose you know playoff run comes to an end. This is a team that was not expected to do much, right, with Chris Paul and a bunch of, like, kids that were being developed, but with Billy Donovan and Chris Paul as the coach on the court, they certainly overperformed. You know, like, what is it that they need? 
You know, this technically is a top four, top five team in the West, Kev. This is where, you know, the Suns and the Grizzlies and all these teams we love, the Trailblazers, are like aspiring to be. So what is the final ingredient for the Oklahoma City Thunder? Is it Victor Oladipo coming back? Like, what is it for the Thunder that they need to get over this proverbial hump? Because to be honest, Paul will only be another year older. Steven Adams will be another year slower. So, like, what is the elixir for this team? What are they looking for in the offseason? Patience. There's no rush here. Now, the thing is, they were the reason why they had a 1.4% chance, I guess this is bold by projections, but they were not supposed to, like, if, if those were the projections, with this roster being there for 82, those are awful projections. It's a good team. Like, the thing is, right, as we watch them, Dane, it's not like, wow, I can't believe they snuck yeah. in. They just took the Rockets, who have been the third choice out west all year to seven. Oh, yeah. It's a good roster. There's like, this is a good roster. Like, this isn't some miracle job that's been worked by Billy Donovan. But all they need to right. do is be patient. And when I, and I don't mean like, oh, like, yeah, Chris Paul's going to get older. If they trade him this offseason, cool, no problem. If Gallo walks, yeah, all right, appreciate your time. Right, because Schroeder's got, right there to step in. That's true. But it's not even that. It's, first of all, you leave this year now, Shea Gilgis-Alexander getting to learn from Chris Paul, love that. Lou Dort, a rookie who's now going to be a part of this franchise, and you know it moving forward. Darius Baisley, their first-round pick, I also thought continually mm. stepped up in big minutes for this team when necessary. And, oh, by the way, they have close to 1 billion draft picks from now right. until, you know, 2027, thanks True, to moving Westbrook trades. and Paul George out. There's no yeah. rush for this team. They're going to be, they're going to have the ability, if there are big names in the, in uh, that request trades, to offer a better package than probably anybody in the league. Right. And they're going to have more chances in the draft than anybody in the league. And if they can need to potentially trade up for a superstar somewhere in the draft, then they're going to have a, a better chance than anybody in the league. This is patience. If they miss the postseason next year, they'd be upset about it, but it's not necessary. They've got the young foundational pieces, more on the way every single year, and all of this is gravy right now. I hear you, and I buy that, right? For me, though, Kev, it's just like that sounds so familiar with so many other teams in the West, right? You talk about, like, oh, the young core that they have is developing and picks on the way. Like, any young core would aspire to be John Morant and Jackson, right? Any mm-hmm. young core would aspire to be Booker and Aiton right now, maybe at a lesser level, right? Any first-round draft pick that the Thunder get, if it develops into a guy like De'Aaron Fox, that's the best-case scenario, you know what I mean? So I agree with you. I understand that, and guys like SGA and Schroeder are definitely good, talented, that maybe the public doesn't know enough about. I buy it. I'm just saying, like, we can say that similar narrative for it seems like so many teams in the Western Conference. I get, I, and you can, right? Like, Cat and D'Lo, these guys got to bounce back, right. right? Oh, Fox, 100%. Here's the thing, though. What if I told you the process 76ers were just the fifth seed? Like forcing teams to game set. Do you know what I mean? Like they have all yeah. of the same amount of picks as like those process 76ers or the Celtics team that blew it up and sent PG and Cade uh, or Paul Pierce and yeah. KG over to Brooklyn. Like that's why if they miss out, that's unfortunate. 
But this team's window now wasn't even supposed to start because they were supposed to move on right. from pieces. Like, they've gotten so sure. much valuable experience. Like, yes, they're going to want to make the postseason next year and the year after that and the year after that. And they very well might. But if they don't, the fallback is look at all of these picks we have to make our roster better. Whereas, say, the Minnesota Timberwolves are like, oh, this cat Lilo thing isn't working out. Like, this isn't enough. I don't know what we do. Do you know what I mean? Like, that's kind of the big difference between the two the two spots. I do, but you went to Minnesota. I did not. I went to other young pieces of talent, but it's okay. Sure, good. but no, but you're the same thing, right? But if the if the, like, sure. if the Grizzlies miss out, if the, if the if like if the Suns miss out, like they're yeah. they're like panic button. Devin Booker is going to request a trade. Like the Thunder have right. none of that. Yeah, the window is only starting to open for Oklahoma City, and I think that is true. I just, you know, I know we've had similar conversations. There are so many teams in the West that we kind of, like, like or think the arrow is pointing up on, you know, and, like, even Utah and Denver, the arrow is still almost pointing up on them as well. So it'll be very interesting for years to come in the Western Conference, and let's still talk about teams playing in the Western Conference, though. Houston is now moving on to see the Los Angeles Lakers, right? The LA Lakers who have Anthony Davis and Dwight Howard and other bigs, right? And PJ Tucker better get in an ice bath for the next couple of days and be ready. How do you see this working, Kev? I ask you all the time, you know, style makes fight. We know the Houston Rockets have an extreme style. How mm-hmm. will that match up? You know, like, do I just take Anthony Davis rebound props all day long? Like, <laughs> I, I remember, Kev, the game after the Rockets traded Clint Capella was against these Lakers. And I remember I was doing the show here with our good friend Joe Ranieri, and I was on some like, yo, I'm just going to take Anthony Davis rebound numbers. And he did go over that prop, but the Rockets won the game. You know what I mean? So how do these guys match up? Listen, uh, there's been a a belief for a lot of people that this is the matchup the Rockets should be hunting, that their three-point shooting edge is going to be what could potentially tip the scales. And you go back to that game right before the All-Star break, and the Rockets went out there, Mm -hmm. shot 19 of 42 from three, 45% amazing compared to the Lakers, 9 of 31 from three, 29%, and that's how you win the game. But the thing is, you go back and watch that game. It was tight throughout, and really the issue was the Lakers not being able to score in the fourth quarter. They only had 18 points in the fourth quarter. LeBron only scored 18 points in the game. You think that's going to happen again? No, it's not going to happen again. Like, the thing is, we gave the Thunder a good shot in this series. So I'm not going to sit here and say, like, oh, can you believe the Rockets ended up going seven with the Thunder? No. Right. That's because of the standing that I hold the Rockets in. That's not a series that you leave thinking, oh, that team's going to upset the number one seed in the conference. At least not me. Those shooting numbers, like, it doesn't change. That was all there for them, and it still went seven, right? And I just, at the end of the day, I don't know in what world you're trusting James Harden and Russell Westbrook over Anthony Davis and LeBron James. Yeah, I'm not necessarily trusting them over, right? That's not the way I or any Rockets backer, and I'm not saying I'm taking Houston in this series. But here's the thing. Regardless of the, I think this is the difference, though. 
Houston, the way you feel about Houston is almost regardless of the opponent, right? Because remember I tell you, like, what's the Houston thing? Do they shoot over 40% or not, right? Like, that's the kind of weapon they have that a great team defense is not necessarily going to stop. One of the things you said, Kev, was in that game before the shutdown, right, the Rockets went 19 of 43 from three. And you were like, yeah, that's pretty amazing. Is it, though? Or is it just kind of like what they do? No, it's, it's amazing. It's amazing. It really? And this is the thing. You That's and like I have 40%. had this is, this is what they do. That's amazing. You can, this is the thing. You and I have had this conversation before, right? Yeah. Where this is where we see the Rockets differently. Every game that they're awful from three, they're dead losing, right? They've got yes. no chance. You might as yes. well shut the game off. Now, your yes. belief is when they hit 40% of their 63s, they win. Except we saw against the Thunder, they hit 40% on 58 attempts and lost. To the thunder. That, it yes, doesn't apply the that is in the true. I'm not saying it's a one-to-one correlation. What I am saying is that the it's, it's a kind of we talked about this with variance, right, Kev? The Rockets are kind of live at not like Portland gets stifled by the defense. It's still within them. They can still do this regardless of you know kind of how LA is playing them. That's my belief. I but my thing is I squat. I feel like you can squash that by watching them shoot 40% on 58 attempts from three and still lose a game. Right. They can also, there are individual games where they have poor shooting performances and do still win. Like it's not a hundred percent either way. Uh, eh. All right. We'll look at it throughout the series. Remember this 40% number. The news update is up next. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome back, everybody, here on SportsGrid to the early line, including our radio audience from around the country. Thanks for waking up early with us, Dane Martinez and Kevin Walsh. Kev, let's go to the other game that happened yesterday where the Miami Heat take a 2-0 lead on the Milwaukee Bucks with no time left on the clock. Jimmy Butler sinks two free throws to get the win. But if you were watching this game, the last minute of play, Kev, was like a half hour with all the damn fouls and reviews and replays and shots being taken. And was the ball out off Miami or off Milwaukee? You know, it was a a very slow, disjointed end. There was some interesting calls both when Milwaukee had the ball and when Miami had the ball it turned into a free throw shooting contest at at the end but the Miami Heat do win this game 116-114 to take a 2-0 series lead against the number one seeded Bucks uh what's your biggest takeaway from this one Kev wow um I even I as someone who had said nothing but glowing, glowing things uh, about the Miami Heat. I don't think. Yep. Do, do you think they would have been up 2-0 to start the series? Because, I mean, now we're sitting like the Heat haven't lost a playoff game, right? Like The Heat they, nor the Celtics have lost a playoff game out east. And I guess the question is, you know, Kev, we were saying this a long time ago, and we were telling you reasons why. 
Okay, the way they would play defense against Giannis, the amount of bodies and fouls they had against Giannis, the diversity of scoring that the Heat could have, the existence of a closer when all of that falls flat. And that's what Mm -hmm. continues to happen, Kev. Jimmy Butler drops 40 in game one. You got like four or five guys that contribute in game two, you know, and still. There's room in the tank for Miami, I think, in terms of three-point shooting. And still, um, you know, like, the defense they're playing is working and Budenholzer has not yet solved it. I want to ask you about one Mm. specific number, Kev, that you kind of alluded to as one of the biggest numbers kind of in the box score in this series. It is not a matter of points. It is not a matter of rebounds. It is not a matter of assists. Talk to me, Kev, about the 36 minutes played for Giannis Antetokounmpo. Yeah, so this is the tough spot, though, to, you know, for Budenholzer was the foul trouble that both Giannis yeah. and Middleton found themselves in. Uh, and, it, you know, allowed the Heat some breathing room. Now, Chris Middleton being plus 18 is ridiculous. But, like, yeah. ha- you got to be able to stay on the court. Like, and, and I'll tell you this, they do not have the ability to go back and complain about fouls or anything of the nature. I mean, they put up 39 free throws. Like, they got call after call after call. And, like, by the way, Bucks backers, you cannot complain about that foul call on Jimmy Butler. That foul call on Goran Dragic to send Middleton to the line for three was Right, ridiculous. that's what I was going to say. And should have both- never been made. I don't think I would make either call, to be quite honest. Drogic was, you know, (laughs) breaking out his inner Roy Hibbert with verticality, if you want to know the truth. And to be honest, the Giannis, like, hand on the the side of Jimmy Butler, (sighs) ticky-tack, in my opinion, maybe a little makeup. I will say this, though. I went into Mm -hmm. this series being like it's Giannis and a bunch of, like, who's going to step up. Right. Like, who's going to be that Robin? I got to tell you, Middleton has, in my opinion, when he's on the court, answered the call for the most part. Second half of game one wasn't really there, but he has he's done what the Bucks needed him to do, I believe. Right. And and like you got Lopez there, Bledsoe. I think they are defending Giannis in a way that is the answer. I mean, look, we, we leave this game, though, and here's a big thing. The Bucks had a very bad three-point shooting night, 7 of 25. That will never get the job done. Um, Fair. And that's the thing with Middleton. Like, you know, Middleton giving us 23 and the fact we're like, oh, man, finally got a good Middleton performance. Now, look, plus, plus 18, 18, you said it. Yeah. Chip, chipped in eight assists and six boards. But, like, yeah. you know, that is a bit of a low bar. Like, it is, to be totally fair. And at 0 of 3 and 6 of 15 from the field, like, that does need to be better. The idea that they lost game one because they didn't have Eric Bledsoe is squashed to bed immediately as he shows up with a 6 of 14. 16 points. You know, he was – he helps. But, like, I mean, I was watching those possessions where it seemed like him and Tyler Hero were drawn. And, like, if you know Eric Bledsoe's career, like, he's going to end up losing that battle. And it's not because, oh, Tyler Hero's a better player. It's just that's what happens to Eric Bledsoe. Like, he's going to end up getting embarrassed at some point in this series by Tyler Hero. And it maybe very well was this game. Is Tyler Hero, like, this is the thing. Like, you almost come away like, yeah, I think I might trust Tyler Hero than some of these main contributors on the Milwaukee Bucks as he chipped in Mm -hmm. 17 points and was a plus five in the game and and played 32 minutes, uh, you know, continually stepping up uh, as a rookie. Like, it's just, and this is the thing with the Heat, they are deep. Like, it's not just that, you know, the Bucs are the only ones that are deep. 
it's just it's different for kinds of deep, right? Right. It's similar to what we've talked about Boston Toronto. Oh, you got exactly. a ten man rotation? Cool. Well, guess what? We've got seven real, real great options. The entire starting lineup scored in double digits for the Miami. Mm-hmm. Thirteen was the low. Thirteen was the low. Like that's not insignificant, right? So I just when you take a look at this from from that perspective here, the Heat have a massive head coach advantage. They are the best team that is built to guard Giannis in the league, maybe. As again, like him, ten of eighteen is efficient, but you know, twenty nine points. It's still below his points prop. It's you know, it's it's I think a touch below the season average. Only three assists. That obviously has a lot to do with the poor three point uh, shooting tonight that the Bucks had. But you know, you go back to it now. And if you're Mike Boonholz, like, what's the recipe? What's the recipe where you're like, you know, oh, okay, if we do this, if we if, if right. we do this, like, it, you you don't look at any, like, do you look at any of these performances from Miami and go, okay, well, they got this outlier game, like, there's no way this no. happens again. Like, it's them enforcing their will and implying their game plan, and it is working. Full stop. Yeah. End of sentence. Right? And, and to be quite honest, Kev, this is what we told you in advance was going to be their game plan. Why they had the advantage, you know what I mean? So I, I, this is what we have been talking about. Maybe we were yeah. early with it. I saw our good friend Jared Smith put up on social media when you and him were talking about it back mm. in February. I had these exact conversations with Jared and with you pre-pandemic. That's part of the reason I made the futures bets I made that you and everybody who's watching and listening to the early line already know about and this is what i said at the beginning here kev right i was like in game one jimmy butler was like give me the ball get out the way however in game two you got seven guys in double figures right and you talk about tyler hero boy do i need a hero i know that but guess what he's not even the miami heat rookie that's gonna finish highest in rookie of the year voting (laughs) you know what i mean he got kendrick nunn only i think had like nine minutes as he's still working his babe back from injury and covid like there's another dynamic offensive playmaker kind of like still on the horizon for the Miami Heat. So let me ask you this. We have reached the point in time, Kev, where the Miami Heat are now minus 142 favorites to win this series. But I want to ask you a different question, Kev. They always have up the series, the market of how many games will this series go? Mm. Miami is up to nothing. If you look at that betting market, they only offer six games and seven games. Why don't they even offer the Miami sweep? They do in the exact series score, right? They'll give you yeah. plus 650 for a Miami sweep. They'll give you five to one for Miami, four to one. Why do you think they're not booking the four or five games in series total games? I think I the reason would have to be. That in the Miami Heat, four one, right? Like they're only given that option if it's. Uh, Milwaukee coming back and winning, and obviously Milwaukee can't win in five, so that's why it falls by the wayside. Yeah, I think that's why they would have to do that okay. because six games represents an outcome where both teams could both could ways. close the series yeah. in six, but only one can close it in four, and only one can close it in five. So they have that in and the who, other market. And who would have thought that that would have been the Miami Heat? I mean, technically, yep. I guess us, but like you know, what we I, did. You know what that's I'm right. Getting at, and I just want to add this quickly as it pertains to this Bucks team. A lot of conversation like about comparing this group to LeBron Cavs the first go around, right? Hmm. Young, okay. don't know how to win yet. 
Roster's not I there. reject that. The Bucks roster oh. right now is more veteran and more talented than, like, <clears throat> you know, I mean, <laughs> than what the yes. Cavs had with LeBron early on, right? Yes, I agree. Like, yeah. this is – look, Giannis is as good as we say he is. But yeah. this is as much on him – as a lot of the other people that are going to be getting, he missed two free throws. He had the foul. Like he, he was a minus seven. Like, yeah. he, like he he has to be better. Point blank. Period. Giannis has to be better. And like when we go into game number three, they're going to need a complete game. They have to be much better defensively. They need yeah. to bring their shooting shoes a little bit more from the outside. And this is why I played a team total under. And by the way, that we got by the hook. Absolutely yeah. fantastic. But because nice. they lost a game where they scored 104, but shot 46% from three, like they have to piece it together and they need, they need the 35, 15 and eight game that, you know, for Giannis yeah. was just kind of becoming a thing. They need him to be better, period. I agree with you. And, you know, Chris Middleton and Brooke Lopez are far better than, like, Mo Williams, <laughs> you know, that LeBron. And Big Z. With. Yeah, I mean, come on now. Let's think about it, right? Middleton is a multi You said it, not far. me. Brooke Lopez is getting, like, you know, second, third team, all NBA defensive player of the year kind of consideration. I think that is a little bit different. And the veteran-laden experience that they have, even a Bledsoe and a Matthews and stuff, is more than LeBron was dealing with. When we come back, we're going to look at the action in the NBA today. All right, we got the Clippers in action for the first time in a long time. And Jamal Murray's like, wait, we play today? Let's look at it when we come back. Giving you everything you need right here on the early line. Keep it locked with us at SportsGrid. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome back, everybody, right here on the early line on SportsGrid. Dane Martinez and Kevin Walsh giving you everything you need to hopefully make it a profitable day for you. So let's turn our attention to the games we're going to see as the NBA playoffs roll on. We'll go in kind of chronological order. And despite what our good friend Gabe Morency has to say, this game is up first because it is the Eastern Conference playoff game of the day. The Toronto Raptors and the Boston Celtics will play game three of their series where the Celtics are up two nothing we're wondering where will the offense come from the toronto raptors we got the uh raptors though still even down oh two still as the favorites in this game kev they're laying it's just the point i want to ask you about this total at 215 defense has gotten a little bit more tight in the playoffs as we've rolled along i'm intrigued mm. by your thoughts on the total and if you see this as another opportunity in game live because everybody makes a run you think you can get both teams plus money on the money line I mean, almost certainly. Uh, that was the case last game, I think. I don't know if Boston ever really extended their lead. I mean, at some point during the fourth, uh, there was massive plus money on Toronto. So, yeah, that definitely was the case in uh, in game number two. We mentioned how in game number one, you know, Boston led wire to wire. The total is interesting. It's continually dropped uh, in the opener. 
It was 217 and a half. It actually came up to 218 and a half in game number two. Uh, now we're just looking at a flat 215. People are worried about points. Um, you would like to think that the Toronto Raptors have to have a good offensive game in them. Yeah. Um, but like if I told you over 108 and a half for the Raptors, you'd be like, ooh, that's a ton more than they've been scoring. Uh, you know what I mean? Like you, you don't feel yeah. super comfortable with it. All things considered, though, I am taking a very, very long look here, not just at the Raptors in this game, but the Raptors on a plus 360 series price. And that is in part due to if they win this game, that plus 360 number comes down massively. It might go to minus money. It might go back to minus money after Boston was up one nothing. They were still plus money, so maybe with a one-game deficit in the series, it could revert I think Boston back to ended up, game one. I think Boston ended up going to a minus price up 1-0. After game one? Although, albeit, though, I think minus 140-ish. So Okay, fine. But but, it, but, but still, the point still stands. Like with a two, in a two, If that is the case, if it goes back to that number, you can actually get off the series price right there um, yeah. if, 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 you, if you so choose. I, I'm curious what you think here. Someone, you know, who's bad. This is the toughest thing. I, I, we had a conversation about this a little bit off air, right? But like, you think Boston is better, right? You you have now watched Boston for two games be mm-hmm. better, and yep. now here we are in game number three, and it's like, okay, so now I got to give the game to Toronto. It, that's one of the. That is a tough. Like, and there's no there's no home court advantage to back that right. up. Like, nothing's changing. It's just like, oh, okay, now Toronto should win this game. And like, look, things work that way, right? We saw a two-o, you know, lead for the Rockets. All of a sudden, mm-hmm. we played seven games there. We saw a three-one lead for the Jazz. All of a sudden, we played seven games there. It, you know, teams obviously in the bubble can come back and push these things tighter. No doubt about it. Yeah, it's just, you know, Boston's looked awesome here, but I think the discount is here on Toronto. I think so. All right, fair enough. You know, we've talked a lot about the zigzag theory and how much does that still hold now that we're all in the bubble. Can you imagine, Kev, if this game three was then like going to Boston right now, which is where it would be, right? And similarly with Miami and Milwaukee, right? That the Heat getting to go back to Miami, the Celtics getting to go back to Boston up 2-0 on the favorites. That would be a big difference. I also saw that in, you know, the game sevens over the last couple of days the building that that would have been. But I got to ask you, Kev, because this has been at least my narrative and I think collectively our narrative as I've tried to draw the parallels between Boston and Miami and the parallels between Miami, uh, excuse me, Milwaukee and Toronto. My question for you here with Toronto is like, where is it going to come from? Which Mm -hmm. Raptor puts on the cape, right? Because I think we agree. It would be nice to have an out, have a game where all of them score between 18 and 24 points and all of them being, you know, Lowry and Abaka and, you know, Van Fleet and, you know, Siakam, but we haven't seen that. So here's what I want to ask you. Siakam, 20 and a half. Lowry, 19 and a half. Van Fleet, 19 and a half as points. If you got to pick one of them, right, to kind of be the man, 
Who do you trust most to kind of overperform today, be that Raptors leading scorer, maybe be the guy who, you know, does what Jamal Murray, Donovan Mitchell, Jimmy Butler, and others in this playoffs have done? Because you and I have said at crunch time, we know Kemba can do it. We know Tatum can do it on the other side. Marcus Smart is doing it. We've been talking Mm. about Middleton and Tyler Hero dueling at times, Murray and Mitchell dueling at that time, right? Who picks up the duel for the Raptors? And do you want to make their prop? I, th- I think it's a great question. And I, and I think, right, it, you know, if I'm sitting here and I'm like, oh, I think I might want to back Toronto, then I probably should look at some of their big names for over because they're going to have to go over, right? Right. And the fact that I got 19 from Fred Van Vliet in the game the Raptors scored 99, the fact that I got, you know, 16 from Lowry and I got 17 from Siakam, like, we're right there, right? So if this team does have a decent offensive game, then the, all three of them actually have a decent shot at getting old okay. uh, because they were all kind of right there. And I think the big thing here with the Raptors and the reason why I will probably end up backing them here in this spot is I do believe in Nick Nurse. Okay. And there has to be now, maybe the the adjustments are just keep taking the shots and and hope they start to go in. And, Mm -hmm. you know, the O of seven from Lowry from deep and three of 12 from, from Van Vliet. That is not just, uh, you know, you do have to give Boston some credit there. Okay? Yeah, team defense. You, like, they, they, are a, they are a good defensive unit. But I, I'd like to believe that Nick Nurse can come out here and make uh, adjustments. I think even the high man on Boston would be pretty surprised if this team was able to go up 3-0. No, I think that's fair, but that's why I'm looking at it in some of these prop bet, you know, through that lens. It's almost like, and, you know, fantasy football season is getting started right now. A lot of people hit me up with draft questions. But, Kev, you know, I've told you before things like, hey, if you, you know, take two or three shots to find out who will be the Packers' number two wide receiver, that's a viable fantasy option, right? Or the Steelers' number two wide receiver, that's a viable fantasy option. So it's similar here, right? Like, if you figure out which of these Raptors is going to pop up, one of them is going to get over their prop bet total, right? And if you pick the right one, you mm. have a viable play or asset, however you want to call it. I think you're right. What are we looking at here on the Boston side of this game, though, Kev, real quick? Because it's coming from everywhere. Kemba's getting into it. Tatum continues to ascend. Marcus Smart even hitting clutch threes. You know, there's Jalen Brown there as well. Are they just going to keep on rolling? I'll tell you what, and again, I'm not, I, I, not that I've locked in yet. I will consider this Tatum under. They, hmm. We've talked about this a lot with the Raptors, right? This Belichickian uh, ground-breaking approach of guarding people that are real good. You know yeah. what I mean, though? And he's on the, on the heels of a 34-point game. Look, he's ascended. He is fantastic. He's going to make an argument for a top-10 player in the league probably going into next season. But against this level of a defense, is he going to be able to go out there and just dominate to that extent back-to-back games? I, I do have my reservations that that hmm. might be the case here. Not that I'm necessarily locked in yet, Dane, and I don't know if you disagree, okay. but I do think that that is a, a big ask still from him. It is a big ask, but the re- and I'm not saying I do disagree, right? But what gives me cause for pause, okay, is – There's a lot of other young ascending talent in this league that have answered the big ask in this playoffs, right? Like when Donovan Mitchell was doing this, when Jamal Murray was doing this, we're like, oh my goodness, is this the new level? And 
I've been saying all year that I think this is going to be the new level for Tatum, right? So you're right. It is a big, big ask. I think he's going to answer that exact big ask. I do want to ask you about this other game here, okay? The other one tonight when we have Nuggets and Clippers, they have a game one of the West. And I mentioned it to you before. The rest disparity is huge in this one. How much stock do you put into the rest disparity when you know that the Nuggets had to expend it all to get advance in their series? Literally, there was a shot in the air by Mike Connolly that could have knocked them out. Right. Meanwhile, the mm-hmm. Clippers have been resting and waiting, getting healthy. Montrez Harrell back in rotation. Everyone, you know, pretty much back. And that's what the Clippers have always needed. Right. That time together. So talk to me about this rest disparity coming out the gate for game one. Do you believe the Nuggets are, you know, running on fumes after their, you know, historic series against Utah? Well, uh, I'm not sure if it matters if we believe it, because apparently mm. the book does. It's the only way right. to justify eight and a half. I just went back and looked. These teams played um, a game in L.A. Uh, on February 28th. Yeah, so it was, again, okay. pretty close before the shutdown. Now, the Clippers yeah. beat them up real good. They won the game by 29 points. That's not the point. The game was in L.A., and the Clippers laid seven. So that's a home court advantage, Dane. So think yep. about that, right? That means that yep. we're pretty much on a neutral site, doubled yep. up the number. Well, that doesn't mm. make any sense. And I would think that the Nuggets' perception is elevated from where it was in February. Yeah. uh, Yeah. You know, it's weird because people in February, it's always tough to tell how how much people like them. I've never seen a team come back from 3-1 and people care less about it, though, right? It's just like, it's just, it doesn't. But in February, they didn't have the emerging Michael Porter Jr. per se, right? In February, people were not believing Jamal Murray was a literally top-tier elite point guard. You know, I'm just saying, the public perception, I think, is a little bit higher. So even more to your point that these lines are a little disrespecting Denver. I mean, they've, you know, basically doubled up where this number would have, say, been on that, you know, February 28th day. Can some of that be a boost? Because the last time they played, the Clippers beat them, uh, you know, by 30 or 29 points. Sure. Um, Now, they they did play in the bubble. Um, I'm trying to remember how available everybody was for that game. Um, Let me see here. So they played. Was Murray even back? No, right? Murray wasn't there early in the bubble. So if it wasn't Murray played, but it was it was it was a like his first game. Jokic only played twenty eight minutes, and then Murray was twenty five. Porter Junior. Yeah, I'm throwing that out. I don't know that that matters much if you're looking at this one. No, they they punted seemingly. The so uh, let me ask you about Murray because you're saying you took that you would take the Jason Tatum under. Right. Mm-hmm. And we've talked about how Murray, because of his last games and how it went out of whack, his prop bet total. Remember, I told you to go under with Mitchell and Murray in game seven. Both of those yeah. would have hit. He's standing at 24 and a half, which is back down to earth. But also there's a different level of defense he's going to be playing in this one, facing in this one. Yes, definitely. But what we've seen from Jamal Murray is just continually okay. seeming to answer the bell. Right, But that's the thing. Wait a second, but Jason Tatum continues to answer the bell, right? So, like, that's the thing. You say different, it's a big ass for Tatum. Different it's a big ass for, for Murray. Different okay. defenses for me. Like, okay. and I know what the Clippers have on that. The Raptors are in a good defense? That's what I'm saying. That's why I'm talking about an under over there from because the Raptors defense, and I'm talking about the Clippers defense and maybe wanting to play over. Oh, that's okay. what I'm talking about. We're talking about. I thought we thought the Clippers were a good defense also, no? They are. But the thing is, Luka was giving them 30 bombs, right? 
they 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 yep. do it differently, right? Yep. Whereas the Raptors, we see them go straight for your best option and try and 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 go at everybody else. That's why we still like the Celtics, right? Because Kemba and Jalen Brown and these guys can step up. That's why I think those are different conversations. Okay. All right. Fair enough. I wonder where Pat Bev is going to be in this series. Is he playing? Uh, That's a good question. But remember, we got seven potential games to figure it out. Maybe not right now. When we talk about it, when we come back, another big college player gone. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome back, everybody, to the early line right here on SportsGrid. Dave Martinez and Kevin Walsh. And, Kev, yesterday in this spot, I told you about two stud LSU Tigers that are opting out of the college football season. Well, I have another one to report, and this is a big name. Kev, Jamie Newman, who is the transfer quarterback of the Georgia Bulldogs. I believe he transferred for Wake Forest. He has decided to opt out of the 2020 SEC in college football season, okay? Not only is he the starting quarterback of Georgia, who's obviously a contender, but he, at least per uh, PFF, is the number five draft prospect as the quarterback position going into the NFL draft. We know about Trevor Lawrence. We know about Fields, my guy, Trey Lance. You know, Newman is fifth, okay? So he's like, not nah, chill. I got not a lot to gain here. So I'm going to ask you about it from the individual player decision. And then also, as I look at the odds for the SEC champion, Kev, Alabama mm. is the leader in the clubhouse at minus 125, despite the 1,500 cases of coronavirus on their campus. Georgia is second at plus 220, but their quarterback just opted out. LSU is third at plus 750, but they just lost Jamar Chase in their stud defensive lineman and have been eviscerated by the draft. How? I think this gives you a window into how the hell can you bet college football when you have no idea what's going to happen and players are making their individual you know, decisions to be like, nah, chill. I think the thing is, when it comes to these elite programs, you realize how quick, like, oh, look, another five-star guy steps up for the five-star guy. I mean, there's a reason why, right? They just, sure. it's always the same teams at the top. They consistently replenish. However, when you lose elite, elite, elite talent, that's what makes it difficult. Jamar Chase, the number one wide receiver prospect, it's a big blow right. to LSU, right? Jamie Newman, Georgia's starting quarterback. Yeah. That's a big blow. <laughs> Do, does LSU likely have other great wide receivers there? Sure. Yes, but are they Jamar Chase? That's a tough bridge. Does Georgia have other quarterbacks? JT Daniels, USC transfer. People are right. excited about it. I get it. There's a reason why Jamie Newman was the starter. And that's why, Dane, Alabama is now minus 125 to win the SEC. Yep, for now, but who knows how many players on the tide will be like, nah, chill. Hour number two, coming up next. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com.